Welcome to Sin 315. We're here to encourage and equip Christians to engage in the adventure of sharing Jesus with those that God puts into their life. And we're so glad you're here. Hey, Matthew, here we are with the continuing conversation of W. Ryan Rebels. So cool. Yeah. So good. So number one, if you caught this one, this is part two. So you might want to go back to part one. Right. So you could see where we were coming from, but it was so, so wonderful and we couldn't stop talking. And yeah. so- um, Can't miss it. You guys can't miss it. Yeah. And you know what? This is one of those where I, Sarah taught me to say like, share, rate, and review. Do it on this one. Yeah. This will help people. This will equip people and hopefully equips you yeah. to uh, be in the adventure. Ryan, tell me this, and I know you've done a lot of teaching and discipling, and especially in this area of sharing your faith. I want to set you loose on the folks that we're talking okay. to, and um, what do you tell them? How do you equip them? Let's equip some people with some. Absolutely. So, first and foremost, don't be afraid. You don't condemn a person. You can't mess up the gospel so badly that you're sending a person to hell. So, first off, Relax. Seriously, I had a buddy of mine who was like, man, I am constantly trying to find ways that I, um, you know, would go and share the gospel. I feel like I would always, I don't know enough scripture. And he, he'd get all anxious and get all nervous. Relax. But Ryan, if I fail, that person's going to hell. Buddy, they're already condemned, right? Like what we're trying to do is explain to them the one and true lifeline from where mm -hmm. they're already at. Truth. Yeah. Right? And so, one illustration I'd like to use is, it was one I learned a decade ago, which was a lot of times what Christians will try to do is be like, here, you need to be saved. And the person's like, from what? Uh, sin. What's that? Oh, God doesn't like sin. Who's God? And they're like, well, uh, was I saying something wrong? No, you were saying the right thing. It's like being on an airplane and I'm saying, Kevin, here's a parachute. And you're like, why do I need a parachute? And it's like, what you don't see is what I see, that the engine's on fire, the pilots are both dead, there's a hole in the plane. When I start to explain to you really the where your standing is before God and my standing as well, that's a huge part. Christians are self-righteous. No, the world is also self-righteous though. We can mm. come across that way, Yeah. right? Yep. But it's that whole, let me explain to you the depravity of what we have done before the Lord. And I am, I love to take Paul's line. I am the king of sinners. Mm. Let me explain to you how filthy I was before a holy and righteous God. And yet, in spite of my sin, his grace abounded. And he demonstrates that by sending Christ down, Romans 5, 8, right? So, by explaining that as a one of, first off, relax. You can't send a person to hell no matter how bad you share the gospel. But don't let that be an excuse to phone it in and not be trying to equip yourself and better prepare yourself to right. give a defense is exactly what 315 is all about. Then be able to articulate in your own life as much as uh, your testimony is powerful. No one can rob that of you. But more than your story, it's his story. Yeah. Right? Like we want to get to, you don't know me before this. And every believer, if there's a couple texts that if you just want to read, it's very simple. Everybody's testimony is Ephesians 2, 1 through 10. We were all dead in our sins, but God, verse four, now we're alive in Christ. So no matter what you've done, we're all equal that way, Yep. right? And then when it comes to 1 Corinthians 5, 17 through 21, says, now here's our identity. 
Therefore, anyone who's in Christ, he is a new creation, right? The oldest passed away, behold, he's come. So, guess what? You have a new identity. Verse 21 tells you what you do with that identity. You're an ambassador for Christ. So, what I try to tell people and what I want people to be encouraged with is we all have the same salvation testimony. We were dead in our sins. We're alive in Christ. We all are a new creation. That's all of us. That's not just the pastor. That's not the missionary. We all are. We're all called to be ambassadors. We all are. Yep. I can't screw up so bad that I'm condemning a person. Okay. One might plant, one may water. How about if today, and this is what our challenge was on forgiveness specifically, ask the Lord to bring to mind anybody that you have wronged in any way. Even if they're 99% wrong and you're still one, own it. Own it. I encourage people to go to people face-to-face if you can. If not, FaceTime if you can't. Phone call, never in text. Nope. (laughs) You got to suffer a little bit here. I was wrong. Will you please forgive me? I did this with the banker I was telling you about. I preached this on a Sunday night on forgiveness. Next morning, she went into her bank and she went to this woman that was just bullying her. She couldn't even think of something that she had done wrong. But just in case, she went up and said, hey, listen, I just wanted to say, if I've ever said or done anything that was wrong, will you please forgive me? And this woman all of a sudden just broke down and was bawling. It was like, you've done nothing wrong. I'm having issues with my marriage. I take it on you because you're just so nice and joyful all the time. And I, will you forgive me? Yes. They cried. They hugged each other. And they went around the office and they started asking forgiveness from everybody. And she called me. He's like, <laughs> revivals happen at the bank. <laughs> oh, I was like, I don't even bank there, but I'm going to now. That's where the spirit of God's reigning. Those simple things then stirred that woman, that same woman who goes, gave me the opportunity to share the gospel now. I never thought about sharing the gospel with that woman. Oh, that's yeah. so beautiful. Yeah. Right? But I humbled myself and I went and said, is there anything that's broken here that needs to be fixed? And sure enough, then this woman that convicted her and it gave them opportunity, they became great friends. Yeah. And all because the Christian decided to humble themselves, to seek restoration, love and forgiveness. And then from there, let the Spirit of God do what only the Spirit of God can do. And so, if you can rest in knowing who you are in the Lord, which if you're struggling with Please talk to a pastor. Please talk to somebody about my identity in Christ. Hmm. You talked about pronouns. I do want to say this. There's a young woman I'm discipling right now, and her brother's going through a transitional period time. Mm-hmm. I always refer to that person by their name. They go, well, these are my pronouns. I said, what's your name? Yeah. I said, by saying their name, I feel like I'm still being respectful to who they are as a person, but I struggle in conviction by pronouncing a pronoun that's different from how my God views that person and created that person. Mm -hmm. So, I don't want to dishonor my Lord. I want to respect the person and honor God at the same time. And so, I think if we're that mindful of, Lord, today, you're trusting me, C.T. Stubb would say, the Lord is trusting me with his testimony, right? Like his characters on display Mm -hmm. with how I handle this. I want you to see the love. I want you to feel the love, but I also want you to hear the truth. And if you go in with that posture, it's remarkable what opportunities every day are before you. You don't have to go stand on a corner and hope someone hears you preach the gospel. You can walk into Walmart or the Albertsons or wherever you go to the store, and the person there who's asking, how was your day? Like, 
my day's going great. Or maybe it's not. I'm having a tough day. But I was wondering, can I pray for you for something? You're showing empathy. You're showing compassion. You're showing love. You're showing kindness. You're showing goodness. You're showing hope. If you're struggling with something, can I pray for you? I don't know how to pray. Let's start there then. Yeah. We build up on ourselves these walls that say we can't go any further. And, or we still live in the shame and guilt of who we once were and we're not understanding our identity in Christ and therefore God can't really use me. And I can tell you this, there's not a sin that I ever committed that I'm so glad I did. (laughs) (laughs) That's good. When a person goes like, well, which sin do you wish you could go back and change? All of them. Yeah. Not just the big ones that are the heavy weights on me that I constantly have to lay at the throne of grace. There's not one sin I'm grateful for. I'm glad I did. I'm just grateful that there's a God who through his sovereignty and through his love has continued to sanctify me through those times. But they don't define me. He defines me as his child, new creation. That's where I rest in. Yeah. So. One thing with this appointment I had, we were talking about pronouns. I didn't know we'd be talking about pronouns so much, but... One of the things that hit me is when you are kind to someone and you respect them and you treat them like there's somebody valuable, I mean, like somebody that God made and God loves and Mm -hmm. Jesus died for, it opens up opportunities for relationship. There is absolutely no doubt in my mind, because when I left that meeting, I really appreciated, enjoyed, and cared about this person. It was for real. I am going to earn the opportunity to say, hey, I've got a question for you. Why do you put pronouns in your email? Right. And she'll know that I'm genuinely asking and I'll understand her motivation mm. because somebody, really good friend of mine that I love, she said, Kevin, you know, she works in the world and um, some people put those pronouns there because they think it's courageous to do that. And I could see how somebody would say, because I don't want to hurt somebody, I want to respect somebody. My good friend, Harold Brown, taught me, when you meet a homeless person, ask them their name. Mm -hmm. Give them validity, give them respect, and that can open up so many doors. Absolutely. And I know that this relationship is going to go a long way. It went deep fast, and it's going to continue that way. There's no reason not to have that conversation. One of the struggles I have is the polarization. Like nobody's coming closer together. Nobody. It's hard to have a God conversation when you won't have any conversation at all with Absolutely. anybody because they're bad, they're Hollywood, or they're liberal, or they're whatever. Yeah. You can't have a God conversation without some conversation going on, conversation that will benefit both of you comes from just asking questions, being humble, listening really, really well. It's overwhelming how Absolutely. effective that yeah. one is. Is there something people really should know if they want to be effective and engaged in being obedient? Yeah. It's one of those things that we talked about it earlier about if every Christian this side of heaven owes the gospel to every lost person this side of hell. If you feel the weight of that, It's not the weight of, if I don't go and share, in fact, you're a very descriptive person. You use imagery a lot, and I love that because I'm a visual person. So, sometimes when you're talking, you're painting the picture so I can better see it, right? Mm -hmm. Even if I wasn't there. I had this haunting dream. I want to be very clear. This is not in the Bible. This isn't Ryan's theology. But this was something that I think spurred me to go further. It just pushed me further. Here I am waiting in line 
I don't know why we, there's a line to get into heaven. Like Peter's a bouncer, <laughs> right? It might be the Italian in me that's, yeah, hey, uh, I don't know. You're a little light here with the goodness. And I don't know. You know, so <laughs> Peter's at the gates, you know, the pearly gates, and, and I'm in line waiting to go. And everyone in line with me, judgment's already taken place, and not to get into the different judgments, but next to me is a line of people who are not walking into the pearly gates. But every person I see walking by me is a person I've had contact with this side of heaven, and they're looking at me screaming, why didn't you love me enough? (laughs) Oh, Oh, man. Right? Like, why didn't you care enough for me? Did you think that I wouldn't care that we can't watch a Charger game anymore? right? Did you think that like, we can't go golf anymore? Did you think that I would kick you out of the family? Like, did you think that, and even if that was the result, you never, you never, you never, and I just sat there, I was like, gosh, that conviction of, if you and I had the cure right now for cancer, would you not be going to children's hospital and every possible hospice that you could and be giving that to people to what? Long their life to be extended for another 20, 40, 60, 80 years, but still never have the hope of eternal life? Mm. And yet we have the only cure for the cancer of our soul, and we do what with it? That right there just drives me for those times of apathy, that drives me in those times of, Lord, I know I'm going to stand before you and everything I've done here on earth, good, bad, ugly, will be, for myself, would be wood, hay, and straw. And everything I did for you would be put to the fire and it's gold, precious, silver, and jewels. Mm. I don't want to go up with a pocket full of coins and see this big old brush fire and how I lived up this life. Like, you're worthy of more than that. And it's not to earn his good gracious, it's because I am grateful and I want to honor our king and our father. So again, I want to be very clear. That's not how it's going to be because I don't want that to someone to, to misunderstand that. For you to go, this is what you need to understand. Evangelism is not church invitation. Inviting people to church and church events is a great thing. And will people get to know the Lord there? Yes. But let's take a 2000 member church. What would it look like if 2,000 members on a daily and weekly basis as they are going are equipped, prepared, desiring to share the gospel, Mm. as opposed to 2,000 people trying to invite people to come hear one person say it on Sunday? This is my challenge. I sit there and say, if right now people in your life that don't know the Lord, you're the person God has placed in their life to know the Lord. Yep. Yes. And it's not, and Kevin, you and I talked about this. There's several times we'll lead a person to Christ and then they go, hey, can you come talk to my friend? I'm like, no, you go talk to your friend. Yeah. Well, I don't know what to say. Just tell them, tell them what you experienced. And if they have more questions, then we can talk together. But go. I think some of the best evangelists are those who have not been in the church for a very long time because they get Christianized when they learn the language. And don't get me wrong, there is, there's beauty in being part of the body of Christ. I've never, never give a blemish on the bride of Christ. However, if you just come to know and experience the life-changing transformation of the Spirit of God upon you, and you went from dead to life, you don't know the right words to say. This is what I'd say, who do you know right now that needs to hear the same thing? Let's call them. Yeah. And just tell them what happened. <laughs> 
Jesus is great. He's my savior. Like they're yeah. mumbling through things that you know. And that's Miguel Nixon Cordova. Yeah, <laughs> guy's been on the show. Oh, praise the Lord. I mean, just a a new, fresh, on fire Christian that we can all go back to that first love. My favorite evangelist in the Bible, I'm pretty sure, is the demoniac. He gets a miraculous healing. <laughs> His life has changed dramatically. And he goes, dude, I'm going to be with you forever. I want to get in the boat. I want to, come on, Jesus. I'm your guy. I'm all in. He goes, no, here's 10 cities. The population of the Decapolis, that must have been a whole lot of people. You're my spokesperson there. Hmm. And he didn't go to seminary and he didn't go to your course or my course. Right. What he did is he just said, like the blind man, I don't know. This is how I was. This is how I am. Amen. And <laughs> how about love that? to talk to you about it. <laughs> and that's who I think many. Now I've got some crazy Jesus sharing people that are here, yeah. but I think the majority of the people that listen, or a lot of them at least, want to want to. And they can, they can. All they've got to do is just do it. Paul's buddies go up to him and go, dude, these guys are preaching just to get back at you. They've got this terrible motivation. And he goes, I don't care. <laughs> right. As long as the gospel's getting preached, yeah. yeehaw. Right. So how badly, if Paul's saying, if the demoniac doesn't have to get all this uber training and you are, quote, bad at it, you yeah. think you're going to mess up. Paul and Jesus and our Father are on the same page. Amen. Just do it. Amen. Just do Amen. it. And watch yes. because it's stunning. It's incredible. You said just a moment ago, you have an opportunity that's going to be coming that you can ask about the pronouns as well. Yeah. You're, you are looking for that opportunity to go deeper and hopefully one day be able to present the gospel. Yeah. I think that's a huge part of it. It's just, I mean, are you even looking for the opportunity? If you have a coworker who comes in and they're distraught and they're crying, they're hopeless right there. Yeah. Go share some hope. And I'm not saying going up to him and be like, hey, just so you know, the reason why you're crying is because you're dead in your sins and Jesus, like, you know, that's not what I'm saying. Go show some compassion, show some empathy, show that love and kindness. And then it's like, well, why? Can you relate to this? Yes. Actually, I went through that same thing or my sister did. Yeah. How did they get through that? Apart from Christ, they couldn't. Well, what does that mean? Being, yeah. It's, you're asking it's the, great questions. Yeah, Thank it's you. that simple. I mean, they literally, even Jesus sent out his disciples, I preach this. Go to a person of peace. Ryan, how do I know if they're a person of peace? You don't until you engage them. You'll find out. Yeah. And if they're not, <laughs> wash the dust through your feet and keep moving along. Yeah. And we feel like, well, uh, I failed God because that person didn't accept Christ. They'd rejected him, not you. Like, don't give yourself a little bit too yeah. much credit on what you can do there. Can I do a little selfish plug of kind of what God's doing right now? Oh, yeah, uh, for the, sure. The, the discipleship program I have at the camp. Yeah. Before you do, I want to ask you a question. Yeah. One of the illustrations of what you're talking about looking ahead and looking for it that hit me in the book and really made sense to me is eye contact. Mm -hmm. So, share that really. with the folks. So, as you're going, again, we talked about if you already have a relationship with somebody, coworker, family member, neighbor, something like that, and you know they're not saved, you're already supposed to be that Christ example there. But then as you are going, eye contact. Eye contact is such an intimate thing. And there's a lot of times we have our face down on our phones so we're not even looking for opportunity. And what I teach is that as you're going, if you make eye contact with a person, take that as an opportunity to start a conversation. And it could be something simple as, excuse me, do you know what time it is? Now, don't be wearing a watch when you ask that, because that's kind of weird. Do you know what the weather's going to be like today? 
Like just something to start a conversation or just get right to it. Hey, excuse me. I just wanted to ask, is there anything I could be praying for you about? That's not an invasive question. It's really not. The people who respond angrily to you are angry at God. I don't want prayer because the church hurt me. Somebody yeah, did something, you know, something like that. Sure. Okay, hey, I get that. I get that. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to upset you. I just wanted to see if there's anything I could be doing for you. If I can pray for you, yeah. And eye contact. Be looking for people. There are opportunities as you are going today, tomorrow, at the gas station, wherever it may be, that God has placed you there uniquely. Are you missing opportunities right, right? Not looking for, to yeah. get engaged in what God would have you to do? Yeah. Because you have your head in the sand, basically. Yeah. That also opens you up. Yeah. It makes you vulnerable. And there will be people who don't like what you have to say. For sure. And don't be afraid of that. Don't be afraid to say, I don't know the answer to that. Right. It's like, I don't know enough of the Bible. Well, then maybe start with knowing more of the Bible. Like, yeah. That's a good thing. Yeah. Or finding out with them. A- like, absolutely. I don't know that answer. Let's dig into it. Absolutely. You know, your book was written a little while ago. Mm-hmm. And it's fresh and it's great. And I will purchase enough from you that anybody who listens to this and wants it, I will give it to them. Okay, so (laughs) while supplies last, if you want to read what really impacted me, then you let us know through the Sent315 Facebook page. You email me, Kevin Miller at foothillschurch.org. You reach out to us and, and, and I'll give it to you. But number two, I wanted to know, and I asked you at our lunch, what's going on now? Yes. And I want you to share that with folks. Well, actually, it's ironic. Right now while we're talking, the revised second edition of that book is now on Amazon. So, I want you to know that. We talk a little bit about what's happened since then and so forth. And so, there's a, a second edition out there. So, thank you for that, my friend. Through that, we were able to start a ministry. It's called Judean Missions. It's back in Knoxville, Tennessee. It's still going on to this day. We take people on two-day mission trips just to another major city. So, time and money cannot be the excuse on why you don't go out and get engaged. (laughs) We send out people who, and I still do this today, I partner people who have experienced sharing the gospel with a person who doesn't. Amen. It's like, just come learn and listen. You get better at doing it by doing it. Yeah. If we confirm a child that they are saved. At that point, I want them to understand the responsibility they have to go and proclaim it. I think what we do is the body of Christ as a mm. whole is we kind of wait till they're after their high school years. Maybe they do an outreach program here or there. Maybe they take a mission trip to Mexico, but it's really not until adulthood do we really get serious about equipping people to share the gospel. And when my children, all three of them, I have the honor of baptizing them at the different ages and so forth, after that, I said, let me explain to you the responsibility you have now that you've obtained this. My nine-year-old daughter will go and share the gospel as best as a nine-year-old little girl can. I love it. I feel like we need to do a better job yeah. of that. So, sometimes when I preach that, church is like, oh, well, we're not doing that. So, hmm. thanks thanks for making us look bad here. You're rebold. <laughs> I'm like, hey, you make yourself look bad. I'm just shining the light on it. No, I'm much more <laughs> humble than that. I promise. At least not when I'm being recorded. So, we did that. We planted a church. It was a remarkable thing in Knoxville. I was able to be an evangelism pastor for a while at a large church in Ohio and got really, really just uh, revealed to me how terrible I was at sharing the gospel when I wrote this book. You talked about earlier about parenting. Mm-hmm. Right? Yes. You're like, oh, yeah. God, thank you so much for your grace on all the shortcomings as a father. I look at how arrogant 
and how abrasive I was with my apologetic knowledge mm. and sharing the gospel that I know I hurt people, but I know that God in his sovereignty can still use that and what he has taken me from. And I don't mind engaging in the arguments, but I don't do it to have to win the argument. I do right. it because I, I love you. Hey, if you're angry, be angry. Go, I'll let's get the anger out. Let's get it out. Let's purge it all out. You, you ready for some healing? You ready for some hope now? <laughs> I can take that. My shield of faith. You can't harm that. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. There's a difference. So I thank God through that. I'm up at Pine Valley Bible Camp and Conference Center now. And I run a discipleship program for 18 to 28-year-olds that are there for an entire year. They work at the camp. They are housed there at the camp. But it's a discipleship program. I say, if you're not hungry for the Lord, it's because you're full of yourself. Hmm. You got to come hungry. And so we're equipping some young people. We're making the camp way more evangelistic. Randy, who's my father, is the executive director up there. We have the gospel on display up there now. Mm. We have this thing called Camp Christmas that we launched last year. We had several, Mike and Neil and different pastors over there at Fiddles came up, really yeah. enjoyed it. What's remarkable, it's the only thing that camp, the camp has always been good about having a place for saints to come and relax and restore. It's never been evangelistic. Hmm. Now it's open to the public. They come up during November and December, and everybody has to leave this way. There's all a bunch of fun games, activities, water show, light show. It's wonderful. When they go to leave, it's the biblical account of the birth of Christ, which leads you to this giant nativity scene, which then you turn, and then there's 20 names of Jesus mm. that we take from Scripture, which takes you to this big, giant, beautiful, lit-up cross and talks about how the story didn't end there and what Christ did for us. And then you go to leave, and we have gospel tracks. So, we want it to be on display. Last year, our hope was to have 3,000 people possibly come up to Pine Valley. Where's Pine Valley? Go to Viejas and keep going. I mean, that's where we tell people. Just keep going. Go Alpine. East. Yeah. Go east. We had over 8,000 people show up wow. last year. Wow. Right and one of the things we did for our community, the Pine Valley community up there, is that if they have a driver's license that says Pine Valley or they're a resident there, they can come for free every night if they bring a canned good, which then we partner with the church that's up in Pine Valley to be able to feed the people up in Pine Valley. That's so we, so these are all things that this camp's been there for over 75 oh, yeah. years. And there a bunch. And in the last three years, we're like, mm, no, we're going to make this a beacon for the Lord. And it's been a, a remarkable journey, uh, especially with all the Christians wanting to leave California for Texas and stuff like this. Hey, everybody, real quick, if you're a Christian, you're contemplating leaving the state of California, God calls us to the darkness, <laughs> not to run from it. I just want to go ahead and voice that from a, just embrace the culture that we have here in love for the sake of the gospel, not because we're of this world. So, I'm sorry. There we go. You're okay. <laughs> Well, I just want to stand in prayer. Amen, brother. And I want you to do it. I'll be honored to. Gracious Heavenly Father, what a blessing it's been to gather with these brothers, Lord, and to be able just to really, all this is just bragging about you. Yeah. We can hear stories and we can swap stories about how you showed up and how you showed off. And the difference between being on this side of the conversation and the other is just a, a willingness to be obedient and just to trust you. I believe faith is risking something crucial in the belief you can be trusted with it. Lord, I pray that not only for the three of us, but those listening, that we will risk everything that is crucial to us on the belief that you can be trusted with it, whether it's our testimony, whether it's our finances, whether it's our reputation, whether it's our work environment, our family. Fathers, as we were talking as men, have to humble ourselves and say, 
will you please forgive me to our children where we have fallen short? So we can model that to them as husbands can for wives, that there can be restoration and forgiveness, that the body of Christ will embrace your forgiveness by being forgiving and being content in you and you alone, and that you will rise up the sleeping giant, which is your beautiful bride that's here in the United States, specifically here in East County, Father, if, if you will, please just stir in us such a great affection for you, Father. And I pray that you will continue to put people who are equipped to help believers, like Kevin is here. I believe Kevin is anointed, and he has a, an unquenchable desire to see believers go and share the gospel. And he wants everything he can do to help. That's what this podcast is here for, is to help believers Wake up, O sleeper, and go engage this world with the truth of the gospel. So, Father, I just pray an anointing and blessing upon all those who listen to us, a boldness, a fearlessness to embrace this culture. Be loving, be kind, but speak truth. And, Father, may you be glorified in everything that we say and everything that we do. We ask this in unity and in all humility. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Two things, you guys. One is take a nugget, take a challenge, take a piece of this and go do it. Number two, just let me know if you want to have nothing but faith in your pocket. Amen. Amen. Amen.